This is my favorite album. 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 I'm Claire Beck and this is my favorite album. Hello and welcome to My Favourite Album with me, Andrea Cleary. Today's album is the 1982 debut record from avant-garde musician and artist Laurie Anderson. The album is a selection of songs from a larger performance piece, United States Live. Spanning eight hours, music is just one element of that production. After unexpected success with the track Oh Superman, Anderson signed a seven-album deal with Warner Brothers Records. The record centres on Anderson's vocals, which muse on the state of the modern world as she saw it, often with a concerned eye on the growing reliance of technology, the changing landscape of American culture and industry, war, peace and the human condition, desperately trying to make sense of it all. It uses vocoders, organs, marimbas, bottles and sticks, saxes, clarinets and a multitude of other experimental and electronic instruments. This is the time and this is the record of the time. But more than that, this is the favourite album of today's guest, DJ, host of Today FM's Saturday Sound System, producer, roller skater and van owner, Claire Beck. Claire, hi and welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much. Lovely to see you. Uh, the last time I saw you in person was um, my last night out. Mine too. Yeah. The, the Choice Prize 2020. The Choice Prize, yeah. Which feels fake because nothing happened in 2020, mm. but allegedly it did. So that's what, 14 months ago. Yeah. We were drinking wine and banging our fists on the table <laughs> and going, Lanka must win. <laughs> <laughs> Forming an alliance before, <laughs> although the less said about that, the better. Yeah. So, well, today we're drinking tea and uh, not shouting about Lancome, but discussing this this record uh, by Laurie Anderson, which you've said is is your your favorite record of all time. You said before we started recording that there was a bit of um, hesitancy to recommend it because it might might be the most, I suppose, accessible album. I think that, well, I actually think that the themes on the album are very universal and mm. very accessible, but I think it is, maybe people would be a bit like, what the hell is this, <laughs> if they didn't kind of know who she was. And it wouldn't be something that you'd automatically be like, this is a bop, you can throw it on, it's easy to listen to. Mm. Um, but I think it's just wonderful on so many levels and mm. layers. And I was so happy when you said, yes, let's do it, because I think I said, I was like, I can pick something less odd if you would prefer. Like, no, no, odd, odd is good. Odd is always good. I, I hadn't heard this album. I, I hadn't even heard Oh Superman, which really? I believe it was a like is is a big deal in terms of kind of avant garde and alternative music. Um, that that song seems to be once I went and looked into it, seems to be really well loved by a lot of people. So I went into this completely, absolutely no. Um, no context for oh, it at I'm all. Oh, I'm so excited. And it was like very few experiences I've had in my life. Like it is, ju- it's just such an incredible um, experience just hearing it. It's the best day of my life. Yeah. I'm so happy. So when, when, when did you first hear this album? How did it make its way to you? So I think I probably would have heard Oh Superman at some stage mm. when I was a teenager, maybe early 20s. And um, no, I was definitely a teenager because I was 
in dance college and it's the very much the same brand of nonsense threads <laughs> through this album as threads through when you're like in a contemporary class okay. learning how to dance the color you feel or you know yourself um so yeah I think I heard oh Superman and kind of was like what the hell is this and then went back and found the album was like this is my brand of nonsense I love it yeah you know and I just thought it was fabulous and um kind of just kept it with me and I, I like to go back and revisit it every so often so it was lovely to kind of put it on a few times getting ready to um get re-familiar with it for the pod mm. and I just oh, I just think she's so wonderful maybe will, will I will I tell you a few fun Laurie Anderson I facts would maybe? love to hear some fun Laurie um Anderson so facts. as she as you said in the intro um this was music that was taken from a larger piece mm seven or eight hours this is very on brand for her so she's an avant-garde artist composer film director musician pioneer of electronic music she's an inventor she invented a type of tape bow violin which has a magnetic tape and um instead of the kind of regular horsehair bow um mm -hmm. she invented a thing called a talking stick which is a six foot long mini uh, midi controller that's like a baton and it can record sound and then you can manipulate it. All this kind of weird wow. stuff. Um, and she would have been well known in the 70s. She was kind of in that New York crew with like William S. Burroughs and Philip Glass and Frank Zappa, uh, John Cage, that mm. sort of a thing. Um, she toured a piece uh, where she was um, playing her violin in uh, ice skates encased in a block of ice and the performance kind of finished when the ice had all melted. Wow. So that's the kind of thing. And I think one thing that's just fabulous about Laurie Anderson is she just doesn't care if you like it or not. Yeah. She doesn't care. She really, really is not interested. And I think she definitely, like, she walked so that Meryl Garbus could run, so that Annie Clark could run. But I think mm -hmm. there is a thing about the St. Vincent stuff that she wants you to like it. Like, she's trying a bit too hard sometimes. Laurie Anderson doesn't care she is just so singular and she's just doing exactly what she wants to do and there's a real playfulness in it mm -hmm. um like the oh superman the breakout thing was john peel got a hold of it and started playing it on his radio show and it got to i think number two in the uk yeah um so to release that as a single she put the b-side of it is a piece called walk the dog which is absolutely bonkers. It's now yeah. the bonus track on the album when you hear it and it's like, I went for a walk and I saw a tree and they're made out of wood. It's just complete bonkers nonsense. Mm. And that was released as a flexi disc as part of an art magazine that she wrote for. And then you could go into the magazine and cut out the sleeve and make your own sleeve. So it's, she's having fun. Mm. She's not taking herself too seriously, but she is talking about these kind of universal themes that are yeah. really, really important. And she's sort of, um, I mean, not even a, a reluctant pop musician she's a bit of a reluctant musician like me music is just sort of one facet uh of, of of what it is that she was doing at that time and i i wonder what why a seven album deal it seems very odd to kind of lock her in for seven albums i it's think very... i think just at the like it's before my time is before your time mm. but I think there was just so much money floating around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there was that's so true. much money floating around that there was probably a bidding war and they probably just said, We'll give you a seven album deal, we'll give you all of this money. Um you can have full creative control, you can do whatever you want. And I'm mm. sure she just went, Okay. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> yeah. You know. <laughs> For such a challenging listen. 
I, and I don't really know if challenging is the right word, but it's very pleasant to listen to. Yes. Um, and I think if, if I was to describe this to people or even, even in, in the introduction that I gave there, you know, it sounds like it's a very serious album, but it's also very warm and very comforting as well. Mm-hmm. Do you, what, 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 what is the sense that you get from the album? What is it about the album that you kind of find comfort in? I think that, well, there's a few, there's a couple of tracks that particularly, like one in particular that's like really important to me. So we're going to talk about feelings. Let's um, do it. But I don't think that it's, um, I don't see it as a serious album. Mm. I think that this kind of, commentary that she's talking about these serious issues but she's not taking herself seriously doing it now she's not making light of it either but you know she has all these bits these her spoken words kind of interludes on it you know where she say I saw a man he looks like a hat check clerk from an ice rink it turns out he was you know this kind of like she's having she is having fun with this Mm. you know so I think it's that kind of um Maybe, like, I think she's from Illinois, but she spent a lot of time in New York. Maybe it's that kind of, like, not even a cynicism, but just to, like, this is the way the world is. Mm. You know, that kind of comes through on us. Yeah, I, I, that's the, that line is from X equals X, I think, isn't yes. it? Yeah, which is such a a really, really interesting um, song. There's nearly a... I, I've, I found throughout the whole record that there is this uh, this weird dichotomy between like the anxiety around technology and change and industry in particular and also technology as being this new found like mother character who's mm-hmm. going to kind of take care of you and I think on on x equals x when when she says when she first says x equals x with those hand claps mm-hmm. and I I think the music kind of shifts or or, or maybe she brings in a major chord or something but it's suddenly very jubilant when, mm-hmm. when she says X equals X and it's like everything is in order. Everything is in its mm-hmm. right place. And it sort of reminded me of kind of hearing OK Computer for the first time or something like that yeah. where it's she's playing around with this um, m- machine as friend, machine as mother. Mm-hmm. And there's something underlying in that that I find absolutely terrifying. And I think she, she walks that edge of like humour and really quite scary stuff really really well you know yeah I think as well maybe maybe because she feels so at home with the equipment that Mm. she's using that she's not afraid of it because she feels like she's the one who's in control of it Mm -hmm. maybe but as a listener yes you're kind of going oh god what's happening yeah um and there's a lot of kind of foreshadowing in it like in big science like big science is kind of like a mix of big yellow taxi the Truman Show and an episode of Black Mirror. Yes. You yeah. know, and there's that kind of, she's like, I asked for directions. And this is, a, I, I hope she never hears this. I'm not trying to take the <laughs> piss out of her accent or anything like that at all. I think she's wonderful. She's like, I asked for directions and the man told me to turn left where they haven't built the shopping mall yet. You know, and it's that kind yeah. of, it's kind of, it kind of makes me think like, God, we've been complaining about quote unquote progress mm. since probably the Industrial Revolution or whatever. People will always be giving out about uh, things being built in the wrong way or done in the wrong way. But then she's kind of, it's so scary listening to it in 2021, where she's like, I think we'll put some mountains there. And I think we'll yeah. put a stairs. And it's like... Yeah, she says, um, "Why, where, where, what is it? Why, why don't we put some mountains here? Because otherwise, what would the characters fall off? 
And that image, yeah, since I first heard it, I don't think it's left my mind. But it's from 1982, probably before, because she wrote it for this other performance piece. It's like, Mm. how did you know that we were going to end up living in an episode of The Sims? Yeah, yeah. And she also, what what I found amazing, um, she, during that, that verse where she's saying, uh, just take a right where they're going to build that new shopping mall. Keep going till you hit the place where they're thinking of building that drive-in bank. You can't miss it. And I said, this must be the place. And mm-hmm. you're, you're immediately like, oh yeah, talking heads. And it's like, oh no, this came out before. But actually that, David right? Byrne was knocking around New York at that same time. Yeah. So I, won- I wonder, I wonder did is, he, is, was, that was that something a... sparked when he heard that line? Yeah, yeah. Or, or, if, think or if the pair of them were sort of mm. referencing each other. And that was something that I just hadn't, considered yeah. it's, it's it's incredible um I don't know did you did you read that Margaret Atwood piece of the I Guardian did. about it there's yeah. a there's amazing quote in it um so before this she's she was talking about um the the kind of the hope in the 60s and 70s related to um civil rights and and feminism and all, all the kind of social change that was happening and then she she says jump cut it was 1981 time had passed unsurprisingly I was older um sorry this is Margaret Atwood talking about this album Uh, surprisingly or it would have been a surprise to me in 1964 I now had a partner and a child not to mention two cats and a house Ronald Reagan had just been elected president and the morning he was promising for America was going to be a lot different from the new age of hippiedom and feminism we've been living through in the 70s the religious right was on the rise as a political force I already had the idea for Handmaid's Tale and was struggling with whether or not I should write it surely it was too far-fetched had I known Laurie Anderson then she might have said there's no such thing as too far-fetched um, and I, I think that's such an amazing um, way to sum up mm. this record because it is a, I think it is a political record. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and even, oh, Superman. Um, it's So she said she wrote it, uh, it was a failed military operation and she was kind of saying, hey, you know, American military isn't completely invincible but she, it, it, the full title of it is Oh, Superman for Massonette because it's her reimagining of a piece from an opera by Massenet called La Cid. And um, basically the character, it's he's just been defeated in the battlefield and he's like his dying breath. He's like, oh, you know, everything's over. It's all gone wrong. I surrender myself, blah, 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 this kind of thing. So it's kind of like tale as old as time mm. because she wrote this. It was the early 80s writing about this opera that's set whenever it's set, you know, but then a few years later, um, she, on the night of 9-11, she performed in Chicago and she performed Oh Superman and people were kind of, as it was getting to the bit, because it's already quite a sinister song, but there's a bit where she says, here comes the planes. They're American planes made in America. And then, um, you know, there's a voice, a voice note saying, you know, we're coming for you, Mm. you know? And so people around that time, and she did perform it, a little while later in New York, but it just was one of those songs that kind of took on a whole other meaning after mm. 9-11. But it struck me as I was listening to it um, the other day that there was this piece flying around um, social media um, from a Palestinian person who was talking about a phone call that they'd received saying you've 58 seconds to get out of your house because there's a, you know, mm. so it's just, this is something that has always happened and will always happen. And it's just this horrible uh, side of humanity that is just terrifying and mm. she just turned it into this uh this lovely bop that gets remixed there's like banging remixes of it like I'm sure you've danced to it in a forest somewhere I, I, I mean I'm, I might have but I've absolutely no I, I I feel like if I did dance to this at 
X o'clock in the morning at X festival, um, I I probably would have just crumbled in on myself and just started crying if I heard any of these lyrics. <laughs> I think there's, yeah. you know, it's it, I, I, I really found O Superman really affecting. There's such a clairvoyance in what she is doing or maybe not clairvoyance, but like, the, like you said, that kind of cyclical thing where, you know, every every generation or every 20 years or so, mm. though her lyrics and her anxieties are just going to be renewed. And yes. she expresses them in such a way that they don't date. You know, I feel like this this album, it doesn't sound dated in a way that you would imagine an album from the early 80s that relies on vocoders Absolutely. and electronics. Would, yeah, I'd know? love to I'd love to actually hear kind of more of your take on that as a mm. musicologist well. and a music journalist <laughs> because um, I just find it so interesting because obviously with modern music particularly pop music everything is so bombastic and mm. so loud and so pumped up and we're used to kind of getting this barrage of like this excitement coming towards you and it's so minimal mm. but it's not lacking anything and I, I don't think it sounds dated I think it could no. be from any time but even just like oh Superman like it's her it's a loop of her doing like a belly breath like yeah. a ha 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 and then like a bit of spoken and some tiny little bits comes in and that's for and you get, you get like minutes. a teeny tiny bit of a sax at the very end of it what, what struck me actually for an album from 1984 um how high in the mix her vocals are and how the clarity of her mm-hmm. voice like when she first comes in on on the first track um what was the first, uh, from, from the air in the opening bars of from the air i was like right claire back's up to send me this album i bet you it's it's full of bops i bet you it's it's like <laughs> this is this might be disco like I, I don't know where this is gonna take me but but the, the first couple of bars are from the air you're kind of like okay like it's it, it's a it's a higher energy than any yeah. than anything else on the record and it's it was maybe a little bit of a false start and i didn't even know it was going to be a spoken word record and mm. then her voice comes in and i swear it was like she was standing next to me i nearly got a fright like it was like she's just sounded so close to me mm-hmm. and and she has this like this very calming like this is your captain speaking yes thing and you're like oh my god what is this mm. and and I think just the um the clarity in the production is amazing for yeah. for it being um I, I mean we all know the 80s was 20 years ago mm. so for it being 20 <laughs> years, or however many years ago yeah. it is now it, 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 it is incredible and like even having a look through that all of the instruments that she's using, you kind of find it hard to pinpoint where she's using them. Yeah. It's all, it's all mixed very, um, it's all mixed in, in, in a way that everything just sort of bleeds into each other. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, but there are some, some songs on the album that are, I suppose, um, like Sweaters and Example Number 22 and Walk the Dog, as we mentioned, are different to the vibe <laughs> of the rest of the album <laughs> what are your take on on, so, on those okay of? so first off from the air um i will send you a dj mix that i did for hidden agenda that opens with from the air oh please do. Uh, my dream is to open a dj set with it i actually bring it to every festival set that i do and i'm waiting for the right stage okay to unleash from the air by laurie anderson yeah. as the opener of my set hasn't happened yet but one day hopefully um so i can totally get where you thought it would be yeah, you know, upbeat and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, so sweaters is not only 
my favourite song of this album. It's one of mm. my favourite songs of all time. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this was Laurie Anderson's intention when she made it, but this is what I take from it. So I think most people have that one heart-wrenching breakup that just absolutely destroys you. Mm-hmm. And you're you just, it's all encompassing for six months, maybe a year. And you're just, you're, you wake up and you get in the shower and you start crying and you're just putting like one foot in front of the other and you're trying not to be that friend that everyone's kind of, the, you know, the the, the, pe- the caregiver fatigue has set in and they really don't want to yeah. hear you talk about it anymore. And gradually your life starts to get a little bit better and you start to, oh, I'm actually enjoying, you know, seeing my friends or whatever. But eventually, and it happens to everyone, and if you're going through this now, it will happen to you and you can't <laughs> plan for it. It's just going to happen. But there's like a switch flicks in your brain and it's that split second of, I'm fine, I'm over this. Mm. I'm over this, I'm not angry. I am can look back fondly, I'm completely fine. And it's just your heart just wants to explode with joy. Mm. And I think Sweaters is about that split second when you realise because she's got there's the bagpipes and the bagpipes are so restrained but they like you're expecting at any second that it's going to um burst into Scotland the brave and yeah. like everyone's going to start dancing <laughs> but it's just like this noise but it starts off with I love that she starts with it's like a hum in the same uh, no, the same note as the bagpipes so it's like this hmm but it's like she's about to explode she's like a champagne cork yeah that's just about to explode everywhere because she's just so excited with this realization and it's just that pure joy and it's just that simmer before the champagne cork pops yeah. and she's able to run into the street going I'm over it everything's fine <laughs> you can hang out with me again but it's like I no longer love um your smile I no longer love the way you hold your pen and your pencil I no longer love your sweater and it's just that that just exuberance that she's like my life you know I can close that chapter and go on and that's mm. kind of what I take from it and it's like so it's only two minutes long or something yeah. and it's just it's so much just in that split second. Yeah. And oh, I just, it, it actually, it reminded me of the first moment you catch yourself laughing after something yes. awful happens, like a breakup or, or yeah. if you're grieving or anything like that. And you have the moment where you're like, oh, I'm laughing. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. That, that, this is, this is good. It's like, know? I'm over this now. I'm over this. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it, it's a very, yeah, it's, it's sort of, it's, bubbling over with anticipation yeah. that song and um very different to a lot of other songs on 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 the record as well yes. I think um is, is that a song that you've gone to when when you've been yeah. in those situations and yeah you've reached for yeah absolutely and I've kind of I've wanted to send it to people but I'm like oh no that's just I need them to say that oh it's happened and I'd be like oh there's a song about it here mm. you go you kind of can't unleash it in advance um, yeah. the other one that I think <laughs> it's a dangerous thing to <laughs> like, oh, these bagpipes are but I do me. miss his sweater oh. I do miss the way he holds his pen and pencil <laughs> yeah um, the other one that I think kind of maybe doesn't sit in the kind of theme of the album mm. is um, example number 22 yeah um, this one if there's any freelancers listening this is a great record to blast um, to get yourself hyped to send yet another payment reminder because <laughs> it's like you love me you're my one and only now pay me what you owe me <laughs> yeah. so it's just you kind of like oh god I don't have to send a fourth reminder Laurie Anderson wouldn't put up with this <laughs> you know and you kind of could just say be like hey just following up on this yeah yeah. She makes me feel like I can do anything. Anything. I, I was listening to this w- walking here today and I swear I was standing up straighter. 
I was like, she she wants me to thrive. <laughs> she just wants me to do my best and to thrive. Yeah. And like, she's just, oh my God. Oh, actually, I'm so, I like that. It's like the best thing that can happen to a DJ is going, hey, have you heard this? And someone yeah. goes, no, and then they love it. Like, I'm thrilled yeah. that you love this record. Have, so have, have you introduced this record to people? Is there, is there a... Are you protective of this record? No, 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 not at all. There's one friend in particular I introduced it to. She's a musician and we play gigs together sometimes. Her name is Ashling Ennis and she is a harpist and she plays concert harp, but also the electronic harp with all the pedals and all these, like she can do amazing things. She can make her electronic harp sound like anything. And the first time we were jamming together, um, I mentioned it and she's like, oh, I don't know who that is. Mm. And I told her to go away and listen to the album. She just let, left me this turbo voice note gushing about how much she loved it. And just like, wh- like she was just so happy. And then we planned to go see her in the National Concert Hall. But, you know, she'll be back hopefully one day. Was she <laughs> due to play? Yes. I feel like I don't think I it would have been in real life. I'd like like you know you know in yeah. in um in transformers <laughs> at the end of the transformers film when the cube like folds in on itself yeah. and becomes like the singularity i feel like yeah. i couldn't look straight at her i think it like, wouldn't be so cool. i don't i think the gay, if she was to tour you wouldn't know what you were going to get i think it could mm. very much be i've been thinking a lot about sunglasses mm. and we're just going to sit with that for the next 12 hours. <laughs> you know, it yeah. could be like, it could be absolutely anything. You're not going to get Laurie Anderson's biggest hits or you're not going to sure. get Big Science front to back or anything. But I just kind of want to be in the same room with her and yeah. listen to anything that she wants to share on stage. <laughs> Whatever she wants to talk yeah. about. I want to ask, when is it that you find yourself turning to this album I don't imagine it's a it's that I think for a lot of a lot of people's favorite albums they're not necessarily the most regular album that they listen to oh I'll steal the Oaks of Parties and put it on no I'm joking (laughs) I'm joking um honestly I wouldn't mind it (laughs) we'd be just in the corner going oh I love her so much and everyone'd be like no one invite them ever everyone's left um for me um Look, um, I suppose when you're like, I have my radio show on Today FM, I self-produce. It's very much an island. They're wonderfully supportive and everything, but the content is on me. And sometimes, you know, you you are sitting in a room by yourself, even though there's this wonderful community mm. around it and there's regular listeners and they're gorgeous. And we talk about tunes on Twitter and stuff. But um, you can very much, you kind of second guess yourself, be like, I don't know. And particularly for the last year like I haven't played a gig since February 12 months ago Mm. so it's I don't know if the music I'm playing if people because when you can see people in front of you um you can see the reaction and you can see the energy in the room and how it works but when you're in a little radio studio by yourself and you're playing songs and you're kind of just guessing Mm. you don't know if people are into it or not and you know there's I suppose when I try, when I'm thinking, oh, maybe I'll do this with the show, maybe I'll do that with the show. Um, I like to do specials sometimes about artists that I really love. And mm. I kind of say, do enough people care about this artist? You know, and I, I will put this album on and go for a walk and be like, you ha- just do what you think is right and trust your gut. And, mm. you know, hopefully people will like it. And if they don't, they don't. But if you half arse it and you're trying to just please everyone, they'll like it even less. Mm. So she she gives you the confidence to kind of yeah to be stick with be authentic be authentic. I know it's a word yeah. that gets thrown around so much, mm. but it is yeah. I think it's so 
um, there's so much pressure on people, particularly nowadays with social media and everything to be, be present yourself a certain way and act a certain way and what will this person think and what will that person think and I think when it comes to art whether it's music or whatever it is it's so important to just go with your gut and do what you think is right because if you try and just please other people and that's not to say just to qualify that in a DJing live DJing context it's very much it's, it's a symbiotic relationship but you are still the band leader you are still mm. in control of the room you're not just going screw you guys I'm going to play my b-sides like not yeah. at all but it's very much you're like kind of you're you're driving the bus but mm. you're kind of feeding off the room as well but you can't just be like oh I wonder what they want to hear next because it's just going to yeah. go to shit you have to be like this is where we're going hop on the bus mm. did that did so. that take you a long time to learn when yes. you were starting out oh absolutely yeah. now weirdly weirdly enough not in the dj box i was i think i kind of because i was so young like i started you started out as a uh, as a young teenager yeah you? i was like 13 yeah like sneaking in to do gigs and pirate radio shows and stuff so i think i had to have this like it's desperately of cool bravado. Like, it really is like, i don't know it's not really <laughs> oh, cool like, very djs cool. are the least cool people on the planet like <laughs> But um, yeah, I think you kind of have to have a layer of kind of self-assuredness to mm. be able to go and do that. So that I suppose maybe that was even a fake it till you make it. Or maybe it's just that's my one area of thing that I don't doubt myself on. Mm. Like if I'm kind of going in to do a gig, I can kind of be like, no, I know. I know what these people need, you know, that kind of way. Yeah. Um, but just in life, like, I just think it's so hard. I think you spend all of your 20s worrying about what people think of you and you know trying to get people like I was honestly probably 24 or 5 before I was hit by the realization that not everybody likes you Mm -hmm. and not everybody likes everybody one and two that's okay yeah like it really it took me like a bigger fallout with a friend and I was so devastated because he was like I don't like you I don't want to be friends with you anymore and I didn't understand yeah you know so I think just that is such a learning curve. It's such like, a learning the, curve. The, the, the first time that, um, and it will happen more than once if there's anybody listening who is in their early 20s um, and that hasn't happened yet. But the first time that somebody just, just doesn't like you, just doesn't yeah. take to you. You're just, you're just not for them. Yeah. It's devastating. It's devastating. It's absolutely but devastating. But I think um, when you get, and it's so funny because I don't know how old you are. I'm, I'm 30. Okay, yeah. so I am in my 30s also and there's probably people listening to this in their 40s and 50s going, they haven't got a clue what they're yeah. talking about. <laughs> yeah, but I think, babies. <laughs> did you find that a, a, a switch flicked in your head when you turned 30? You're like, I actually yeah. don't really care what people think of me. Yeah. That's on them. That's fine. Yeah. And you know? you know, it was nearly to the day. Yeah, like it was nearly a a sort of a conscious decision because I turned 30 during lockdown and it was like, right, it's happening. Yeah. Everybody stay calm. Yeah. (laughs) We're 30. Um, We're just not going to. Not going to worry about it. Worry about this anymore. And I think as well, you, you, you work through. Um, I imagine you're similar to me in, in, in this way you work through a lot of those issues through music mm-hmm. and through the albums that you listen to and through the artists that you love and the sort of artists that don't like can you imagine David Byrne or Prince or Laurie Anderson or you know any of these people caring that somebody just didn't take to them Yeah, and you just sort of have to and I mean 
obviously not comparing ourselves to, to those people but, but like, it's just so but important. David Bowie doesn't care if nobody likes him so yeah. why should I you and know? it's a re- and it's yeah I think it's just, it's a really good kind of way to look at life and that is like honestly I do go and listen to this album when I'm like oh I don't know if you know or if you maybe you're trying to pitch something or you want to try something mm. or you know that I'll just go like this is my like my cup onto yourself just go for a walk with this album and mm. be like yeah no I'm gonna do it yeah you know that kind of way um did you see um I don't know if you read the article that um the interview with Sinead O'Connor in the New York Times I haven't read it I have it bookmarked I'm not gonna spoil it for you but there is one part um where the interviewer mentions she's just kind of doing the setup she's like oh she's in her cottage in rural Ireland and in the background are two beautiful velvet chairs that Sinead said she purposefully bought because they're really uncomfortable because she doesn't want guests to stay too long. <laughs> and I was like, that is the level of self-assuredness that I aspire to. Absolutely. So like, I know what I want and I'm going to just say, yeah. That's Here's amazing. Here's your coat. What's your hurry? Yeah, <laughs> when I yeah. want my guests to leave. That's that's incredible. I love yeah. that. I know. Yeah, I, 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 lo- I love I can't Sinead wait O'Connor. to read her book. I can't wait to read her book. There's something so self-assured about it that there's about those sorts of women in the music industry mm-hmm. who I just keep discovering that just d- didn't seem to be somehow like in the canon officially or weren't really I was never really introduced to like I I, I feel like growing up listening to Sinead O'Connor wasn't very cool um like I said, I ha- I didn't know who Laurie Anderson was until mm-hmm. you introduced her to me. There are so many of these women who I'm just like, oh, if I was a teenager and I knew who Laurie Anderson was yes. like that, I think that would have changed everything. <laughs> if you want to go down the allegedly not very cool route, mm. should we talk about Enya? Yes, yeah. One yeah. of the, just the most incredible musical geniuses yeah. that gets maligned as elevator music mm-hmm. because she's a woman. Yeah. And yeah. and I and I don't think she's a million miles away from the album that we're talking no, about. No, not now. at all. Like, but you can have like she's... you know, John Cale could do whatever he wants. Um Brian Eno can do whatever he yeah. wants. But Enya, it's like, oh Airy Fairy. Yeah. Her music is unbelievable. And if you go back and listen to it, like I didn't know for years. Actually, I think it was Ashley Ennis introduced me to it when we were mm. having a little tune swap. Um the her tune not able to pronounce it, Boda Chia, I think it's called. Mm. Um it's the Fuji's Ready or Not, that's the sample. Ah, the yes, boom, yes. Boom, boom. That's an Enya tune. Yeah. You know, and she's got all of these amazing songs. Like, she's so much more than Caribbean Blue. And she's still, oh, I love her. Did you read uh, Brian Coney's piece in the in Vice? No. Oh, absolutely brilliant. <gasps> uh, like, uh, really, really. It, okay. it was a how, how to get into Enya, but it was like how to get into Enya. Like, if, if you want this sort of Enya, or maybe you want this sort of Enya. And it was like tracks mm-hmm. to like make your way in. It's, it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Really, really good. How how has it influenced other music that you love? What did did you find any music through this album? Yeah, or did I, it open you up? To, I think to so. I think music? it her. Um, there's a lot in this that I think is kind of prototype music. There's a lot of things that other people have referenced. Mm. Um, so we talked about um, so that walk the dog, the bonus track. Yeah. Like I hear tune yards. Yeah, when I hear that track. I hear a bit of FKA Twigs. Yes. at times as well. Yeah. Um, and St. Vincent, yeah. absolutely. Mm. Um, I feel like St. Vincent, I don't think she doubts herself very often, but if she did, I feel like maybe she would go to Laurie Anderson to kind of give herself that permission. Mm. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of kind of, because it's so sparse, 
and the instrumentation and the way that it's mixed and everything just has to really speak for itself mm. um I think that um it kind of there's a lot of the music that I love that has been made since then kind of references that that sometimes you don't have to have it all bombastic and high energy and I think mm. particularly for music you play DJing like there can be a, a kind of a it's an easy way out or like a crutch to uh, reach for a track that's like really not necessarily overproduced but it's like it's hyped up and it's big and it's whatever mm. you know that's going to get the reaction or you know maybe if I try and just go a little bit sideways it'll like the payoff will be so much better mm. rather than the instant gratification yeah so um I remember seeing an Annie Mac DJ set it was on I think it was in Hangar may it rest in peace or no where would it have been I, I haven't a clue it was on Stevens's day maybe five or six years ago and I went to it and at the end of the set she just spoke into the mic and in that way that I guess only Annie Mac can do she just sort of asked everybody there she was like okay and I, to this day I, I couldn't tell you what the song is because I didn't write mm-hmm. it down because I was so in the moment um she was like okay what I need everyone to do is just stick with this song. It's You're going to want to go to the bar. You're going to want to tune out for a minute because it's a slow sort of build up. But trust me, <laughs> when it kicks in, you're all going to basically lose your fucking mind. Oh my God, I love that so And much. everyone was like, yes, Annie, we're here. We're, <laughs> we, are, we are here for this. Like, And everyone did and everyone stuck with it. And I never forget the the awe that I felt of the confidence of her to just take the mic and be like, everyone be quiet. This is a really good song. Oh my God. I I love that so (laughs) much. And it really drew my attention to the fact that as DJs, you really don't get that much of an opportunity no, to you play don't. like slower songs or maybe yeah. slightly more talented songs how, how does that work for you yeah well I've definitely been in crowds and people be like oh we go to the bar I'm like no 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 you're not allowed to leave trust me trust me just take yeah. like four more minutes the song is so good yeah yeah <laughs> you know but yeah. you have to just like there's there's always you can't control that people are going to need to go for piss people are going to want to go for bar people aren't going to like every song you know mm. but obviously the sweet spot the absolute dream is when everybody is just like on the same buzz yeah. and having a great time and you're just like yeah yeah you know and is that do you when when you're sort of you're, you're getting ready to play a gig and you're sorting out what records you're going to bring is that really old-fashioned to DJs even bring records with them to the club like is that, um, is it that depends, a thing? Like, so for a vinyl set you would and you really would have to because you can only physically carry so much you yeah. know so you really have to go okay this is what I think I'm going to play this is what I'd like to have as a backup and that's all you have mm. you know whereas if you're bringing a USB um, you can have like all the songs in the world Um, the way I do it I think is quite old fashioned mm. in that I will make a new playlist for every gig and I will kind of go okay this is what I think I want to play mm. and then I also have other playlists that are like I, my, my end section it's like new May 21 there's also new April 21 and that's yeah. going back years like it's a, yeah. it's a mess but yeah. it works for me but then I'll have like kind of different sort of uh, categories and stuff but I'll have like my main one of what I think I want to play that night in a thing mm. probably will play half of it like I've never I think fully stuck to what I think I'm going to do but I just have the few that I definitely want but mm. that's kind of the way I do it and do you, do you try to slip in music that you think people won't know but will will like 
I have. Is that, is that a dangerous it's, game? It's not about trying to school people or go, mm. oh, ha ha, like I have a song that you don't know. Um, but I do have a rule for a DJ set that I will try and clear the floor at least once. Okay. And that's not by playing something shit. It's by taking a risk. So I will try and uh, push push them a little bit mm. and when they've obviously if people are like we're not into this go cool bring it back mm. but yeah I think it's important to kind of try and do the, that because otherwise the, the you're not the payoff you get if they, yeah, if they go along absolutely. with it must be amazing like, try and challenge people because like you're not going to remember like a boring DJ set that doesn't mm. go anywhere it has to kind of go up and down yeah um, but I think it's um, it's really I was going to say it's really interesting. It's probably not interesting at all. And Fergal, you can just cut this out. But um, <laughs> so I started, I would have started playing on CDs and records. Um, so the way I categorize music is kind of, I suppose, trying to, um, you know, the, the way you would have fl- flicked through and seen the sleeves and stuff. But mm. if you talk to younger DJs, they will say, oh, no, I organize by tempo, by BPM. Okay. Or I yeah. organize by this or by that. They have a complete way of doing it because they're, their first time they touched the decks, the, the decks was digital, mm. you know, so it's kind of uh, interesting the way our brains change, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. You work with, obviously, a lot of music. You're mm-hmm. listening to a lot of music. Yes. Music's a massive, massive part of your life. When you're discovering new music um, or you're trying to discover new music, are you looking for things that are going to challenge you? Are you looking for things that are going to surprise you? What 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 is it about finding new music that makes you excited and remember why you love it? I think it's a feeling. Mm. I think it's a feeling that you get you get like I'll be flicking through it. I'm sure you're the same. Like I'm always kind of going back through particularly for the stuff I would play in DJ sets like I love lots of disco music, lots of old house music bits of soul, bits of funk, like different things. And um, you're kind of always kind of going back through older stuff, mm-hmm. but then also going through new stuff. But I think it's it's just, it's a feeling of, oh my God, mm-hmm. oh my God, this is going to work so well for mm-hmm. whatever, you know, for this kind of a DJ set, or I want to put this into a mix, or I want to play this on the radio, you know. So, and again, that goes into like more folders. So mm-hmm. like I have my covering for Paul McLoon folder. So if I have something <laughs> that would fit really well there, I'm like, oh, put that in there for yeah. the next time, you know. Um, so I think it's, yeah, I think it's like a, something like kind of tightens in your chest. You go, oh my God, that's so good. Mm-hmm. And it's just, an, it's an excitement. And that's the initial thing that I'll listen to it and just enjoy it. But then afterwards, I'm like, okay, what am I going to do with this? Am I going to use it for something or am I just going to keep it for my own enjoyment mm. kind of thing? So yeah, what about think, you? What, what way does it work for you? Um, so a funny thing happened last year into it. Yeah, in 2020, I was sort of not falling out of love with music, but I was sort of just a bit, I, I kept listening. I think a lot of people did this during lockdown. I just kept listening to my favorites. Mm-hmm. And then it was getting to a stage where I was like, I'm actually... I, I need to actually break out of this cycle and I got I got really into burial and like I don't really listen to that much like I mean you can't really I don't really think you can call him like house music or but you know like that that sort of like electronic music I'm not it wouldn't be my first choice when very I go appropriate to. for a pandemic though because it has that kind of overwhelming yeah. feeling of doom but also yeah hopefulness. <laughs> yeah and I heard the song come down come come down to us um we, I don't know if you know that song but it's like a 12 minute long epic and mm. I just got like 
shivers. I couldn't believe how good what I was listening to was. And it made me realize that I hadn't been moved by new music. Like that was music that was new to me in a really long time. And then I had this weird thing happen where I was, I was listening and I was, you know, getting really into burial. And then I had this feeling of anxiety. I was like, I'm never going to feel this excited about music again. Don't know where that came from, but it was just like, I don't think I'll ever hear a song as beautiful as Come Down to Us by Burial or as challenging or mm. as, as deep. But when I was listening to this record, um, and I'm really not just saying this because you're in the room, I felt that feeling. I was like, oh, this this could be a favorite. Oh like, my this God, could yes. be like, I'm so happy. This could be up there. <laughs> this is like Desert Island Discs sort of level mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and that was so exciting and I, and it's I, I, I think it's I'm not always searching for that feeling because if you if you got that feeling yeah. once a week it would be less special of course but if you get it once a year yeah uh, with, absolutely with, and and especially with an artist who you're like oh and they've got tons of albums <laughs> this is amazing um, you are the um, we've, we've recorded a few of these now and you're the third person who's uh chosen a debut record oh really um i'm wondering have have you listened to her subsequent records okay so i have a really kind of weird thing and i'm the one that's missing out but if i hear what i consider to be a perfect album i don't want to hear anything else me too i just recorded (laughs) yeah i just i just don't because it's not going to be not because it's not like the, the rest of the work isn't as good, but it, I know that like having had that feeling, it's kind yeah. of, we're actually describing a sweaters feeling that yes. like, mm, yeah. like this like exuberance. Where you feel like um, you can just like jump out a window. Yeah. Oh, like if you ever drive by me and I'm going, yes. And I'm like, <laughs> in my car. That's what's happening. I've just heard something unbelievable and I can't wait to play it for people. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I just, I don't want anything to do with the rest of the work because I feel like it's going to just take away from that. Yeah. Just little little special thing that I have a little bubble yeah Yeah. which is so stupid because I'm probably missing out but but I think we're 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 very precious about albums um Mm -hmm. like when we find an album that we love start to finish we love every single song on it all of the songs flow well and it's meaningful to you it's you kind of want to just put it away as a in a little glass box in a little bell jar and if you start bringing other songs or other records um, near it mm-hmm. you're like oh no I'm going to clutter up the shelf that I've cleared for this record you know what I mean like <laughs> yeah. I've, I've made space for this record I don't yes. I don't want to clutter it and I yeah I, I definitely get that as well and I, I've I've sort of chastised myself about it and been mm-hmm. like you're a music journalist you should be going and listening to everything else but it's like no first and foremost like we're music lovers before yes. we're anything else you know otherwise mm-hmm. it wouldn't work you know yeah mm. I'm tempted now I'm like maybe I should just go and listen to some of the other yeah, albums. Did you li- like? Did you listen to not, anything else? No, no you're not still on your big science honeymoon. <laughs> I'm still. I, I don't think I'm gonna listen to any other music except this album <laughs> for like a year. Um, have you watched the eight-hour-long thing? Is is that available anywhere? I haven't watched it, okay. and I'm not sure. That'd yeah. be a good one if you had to. I don't know, like clean your whole house or something. Just put it on the background and on Laurie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is there anything? else you want to say about this album what 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 do you want people to kind of take away oh well I would love if people went and listened to it Mm. and this is my Annie Mac moment give it a chance yes because at the start you might be going what the hell am I listening to 
and there's bits of it that you're just kind of going, what is the point of this? Like the walking and falling. It's literally just going, you know, when you're walking, you're kind of falling a little bit with each I step. I love that one. It's fabulous. But you it. kind of, ju you just give it a chance and uh, give it your full attention. And I hope that you get something out of it at mm. least. Yeah, I would definitely recommend have a little lie down with it, with some headphones. Yeah. And just, if anyone practices mindfulness, like mm -hmm. this is a quite it's quite a meditative album yes. a couple of times you might get a little fright um <laughs> when it gets loud or whatever but um yeah I, I think that's that, thank you for bringing this album oh, to the podcast so and to my life for inviting me it's like hey do you want to come and talk about tunes yes I probably love my eyes I love that so much <laughs> brilliant so you can uh listen to Claire on Today FM when can people hear yes, you yes um Saturday night from nine until midnight it's called Claire Beck Saturday Sound System um, I suppose primarily kind of dance floor music like house, disco, that sort of stuff that I'm listening to at the moment. And then about once a month, we do a deep dive into an artist. So I've done um, Daft Punk, I've done Prince, I've done Diana Ross, Parliament Funkadelic. Um, yeah, that sort of a yeah. thing. So. And where else can people find you online? Um, online, I'm at Claire Beck 1052. Um, so I suppose if you head to the Twitter, the link tree with all the bits are in there. Yeah. And then also you can go to the Today FM or the Go Loud app and listen back to previous episodes. So if you're kind of saying, oh, I would quite like to hear the print special, you can just go back and find it that way. So. Lovely. Great. Thank you so much. Thank this is so, so much. Thank you so much.